Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. It's How Do We Fix It with Richard and Jim. Lenora Skenazy, let the children play. You know, there's a point where you have to say, am I going to wait until there's no crime? Until somebody comes on the TV and says, today there was absolutely nothing wrong anywhere in America, and then I'll send my kid outside? Think back on your own childhood. Your, your parents loved you, and they let you go. Our show is about fixes. Not the same old left versus right. I am right, I'm right. and you are wrong. You're wrong. Yeah, something new. How to make the world a better place. How, How do, do we, we fix, fix it? it? How do we fix it? Well, Jim, like Arctic glaciers and tropical rainforests, free time for kids is disappearing. More than ever, kids are being given extra homework assignments. They have all kinds of tightly scheduled after-school activities. And it seems like parents are afraid their kids are going to fall behind in school or not get the Nobel Prize if, uh, <laughs> if they don't schedule every minute of their day. We make the argument for unstructured time on this episode and letting kids decide, at least some of the time, what's best for themselves. This is How Do We Fix It? I'm Richard Davies. And I'm Jim Meggs. Producer Miranda Schaefer is with us, and we welcome back one of our favorite guests, Lenore Skenazy of Free Range Kids. Yeah, Lenore runs the, the Free Range Kids website and mass movement. Uh, she's the author of the book Free Range Kids, Giving Our Children the Freedom We Had Without Going Nuts. And I, Lenore, I understand you're just back from a speaking tour out in California. Yes, and before that I was at TED, and it's just been a whirlwind of fun, but also just thinking deeper about the fact that kids don't have free time. I'm just so fascinated by the fact that it disappeared without us even noticing. You know, if you walk outside, you just don't see a lot of kids on their own, whether it's walking to school or playing in a park or even knocking on a friend's door. It's gone Somewhere between 11 and 13% of children walk to school these days. Back when I was going to school, it was the majority of kids, and now it's like one out of 10. Right. Uh, Lenore, on our last show that you did with us, that was episode 20, we talked about the free-range kids movement and your call for parents to relax a little bit, give their kids more freedom, less supervision, and not to be so fearful of the boogeyman that every kid's going to be abducted. So today we're looking at free time. And, you know, as a result of those fears, I think a lot of that is why people are afraid to let their kids play outside. Um, Is that the primary thing that's keeping kids indoors and, and away from free time? 
No, and first of all, I, I want to stress that I don't blame parents for being afraid. When you're in a society that is so focused on the most terrifying thing that could possibly happen to children, which is abduction and rape, usually by a stranger, um, I don't blame parents for being afraid. So I'm not telling them, get a grip, you crazy people. I'm saying, what? look at what society is doing to us. I mean, we're so afraid that we've gotten to the point where we don't let our kids have any unsupervised time. And if we do... Then the other thing flips in, which is that anybody who sees a child who's unsupervised outside feels like this is a child who must be in danger if they watched any of the recent movies or watch TV. And so they call 911 to report a child who has like basically escaped. (laughs) And if you're told that the only safe child is a child who is under adult supervision at all times, then it's very hard, even if you're a free range parent or an optimistic parent, uh, to let your child go. So Lenore, I know you're not saying we shouldn't have messages about the dangers of rape or the dangers of abduction. I think what you're saying, though, is if we focus on this too much, there is a cost to society in that our default is that we're always living in a state of panic and fear rather wow, than... I, I would like than, to chisel that on my wall. It's <laughs> perfectly said exactly what it is. It's nobody is for rape. I mean, that's such as an odd thing. But if you start mentioning that, like, I think... With the constant din of this message that we get so afraid that we can't even let our children enjoy the kind of childhood we had. And and yet when we were growing up, the crime rate was actually higher. The crime rate today is back to what it was in 1963. If you were a regular kid walking outside, your parents didn't stop and think, oh my God, what if my child is raped and abducted on the way to school? I'm not going to let him go. So in other and words, the, the attitude has changed, whereas in fact, the crime rate is, is lower. Exactly. Yeah. Thank you for constantly you know, um, <laughs> chewing it up and, and spitting it out just like a mommy bird into the baby bird's beak because that's perfectly digested. Thank you. <laughs> I, lo- I love that. That's Now that's a metaphor. Um, right. So now we're talking about unstructured time for kids. And I think when I think back to my childhood, those are some very happy memories. But you think it's more than just fun for kids. There's some real benefits for kids living a less structured life. Oh, I'm positive of it. And and more than just fun, um, when I was at the TED Talks, surrounded by all these really smart, successful people, I started asking them if they could see something in their own childhood, uh, something that they did for fun, you know, ungraded, unsupervised, that they are still doing today as part of their career. And it, it turned out it's pretty easy to see in so many people that what they loved doing as a kid, they still do. Yeah. Do, um, you, do you have any examples of, of individuals? Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what inspired me to ask this question was Adam Savage, one half of the Mythbusters, gave a lecture and he had the most charming photos. He was talking about his own childhood and he said the greatest day of his life was when he discovered that Baskin Robbins gave away the free ice cream containers when uh, they were done with the ice cream. They washed them out and they gave them away. And I was thinking, God, yes, I loved going to Baskin Robbins and getting those. They were like four gallon containers or something like that. They, they looked like little garbage cans made out of cardboard. But he cut a rectangle out of the side of one of them. And when you put it on your head, it looks just like an astronaut's space hat or whatever they're called. Helmet. Uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. Helmet. Thank you. Once he had the helmet, then he got a box and he cut some pieces out of there and he made it into a council. And then he put some Christmas lights behind it. So everything was lighting up. And 
just the glory he felt and the power he felt having made something with his own hands. And, and then he showed us all these other costumes that he did as a kid. And then, of course, when he got Mythbusters, costumes were a really important part of it. If he wasn't wearing a costume some of the times, it wouldn't have been as funny. You know, and- you know, Lenore, one of the one of the things that I did when I was at Popular Mechanics magazine for 10 years, was, it was such a pleasure, was I got a chance to work with Adam and his partner, Jamie Heineman. And with both of them, the spirit of play is so much a part of what made that show work, but also they demonstrated in a very um, simple, direct way that the spirit of play is also a huge part of science. It's the creativity, it's asking, hey, what would happen if I did this? It aims towards rigor, but it starts with a sense of playful questioning and, and possibility that can be very, very childlike, and the glee that Adam would always show on that show. And he's still making costumes today from famous movies and stuff that's his uh-huh. hobby he makes crazy costumes and you know and and i think it's a great role model for people that that unsupervised unscripted uh creativity it starts in early childhood and it can continue your whole life but but the point is that unscripted play is the opposite of what we think we have to give kids when we want them to get ahead we think oh they have to get ahead let's put them in mandarin let's put them in robotics club let's put them in uh after school algebra help. And frankly, I think I've done that with all my kids for different things. So I don't have anything against extracurricular activities, but they can't be the only time that kids have after school. They have to have some free time. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about one other person because we're speaking here on a Skype line and the quality is actually fairly good, which is which is nice. I believe that you heard an example from the from the guy who uh, came up with 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 Skype, the inventor. Yeah, um, I met him. His name is Jan or John Tallon uh, from Estonia. I was actually interested in talking to his wife, and I then I found out, what does your husband do? Oh, he invented Skype. Wow. <laughs> All right, can I talk to him too while, while we're here? And uh, so I said, so what did you do as a kid? And uh, people at first don't want to think back, you know, oh, that's stupid time. Oh, I was just, you know, futzing around. But then he said, well, let's see. He and his friends got together, and what they did was they made a rocket. (laughs) They made a rocket and they put it on the ledge of his friend's room and they lit it to make it take off. And um, it did, but not without first um, ruining the the room, basically. <laughs> it, it set the room on fire. And they had to, he was standing there. He's still proud of this to this day. He was standing there with the damp towels just in case. So they, they put out the fire. Um, they washed everything off. And then they spent a couple of weekends sort of repainting the parts <laughs> before they let the parents come back in the room. And, and so I, I think it ended up looking fine. But look at the power in that. You know, kids in their teens set off a rocket. I mean, if you can set off a rocket, you can do anything. And and in fact, what he continued to do throughout his teens, this is in Estonia. Uh, it was back be- uh, when it was still part of the uh, USSR. And so he and his buddies would bike over to the one computer center in town, and they would print out code. And then when they went to school, they would open up their history books and they would hide the code in there. And while they were supposed to be, quote unquote, learning, they were debugging their code so that they could race back there tonight and, you know, run it again and see if it would run better. And with all that extra time to debug the code, he did invent Skype. Wow. So um, you have to give kids some time to find out what they're interested in and pursue it. And when we think about kids, we want them to get an education, but the hardest way for kids to get an education is sitting there and having information 
pounded into their heads while they're bored and stiff. Bored stiff. Right. But I, I want to argue that there's also some skills and there's some Im- important elements of being human that kids learn from free play. It's not just about individual knowledge. You know, when I was a kid roaming the suburbs of New Jersey with with a gang, you know, on a summer night, there would be kids from about six to about 13 in a big formless mass running around chasing fireflies or ca- kick the can or whatever. That's a huge range. You know, a six-year-old and a 12-year-old all get having to get along, or maybe not getting along. Maybe getting into fights. Maybe maybe somebody runs home crying. But I I would argue that the skills kids learn and the negotiation, the the older kids looking out for the younger kids, the um, kids learning to stand up for themselves. Right, right. Um, Peter Gray, who you may or may not have had on your show, uh, he's a psychologist. Yeah, he's so great. He talks. He wrote the main psychology textbook that's used at Harvard and all these other schools. It's in a six printing. So he's no slouch when it comes to psychology. But the book he wrote that I love is called Free to Learn. And he talks about how kids are born with just, just insatiable curiosity. And that's what we were just talking about before, that when you let them you know, sort of follow their passions, they will find out new and interesting things. But the other thing he argues for is exactly what you're talking about, mixed age play. Because when you have the eight and nine-year-olds together, all they can do is compete, right? It's just who's better. But if you have the six-year-old playing with the 13-year-old, the 13-year-old is not going to throw the ball as hard as he can at the six-year-old unless then you're dealing with a bully. But generally, they will throw it a little easier. And the reason they can do that is, first of all, there's a much younger kid there. And secondly, nothing is riding on it. It's not the state championships. It's not mom in the stands, you know, yelling or, or cheering. It's just play. So I totally agree that when there's free time, free play, mixed ages, it's very different from you know, ASO soccer or little league where you will learn some skills. You'll learn how to bat a ball, but you might not learn all these other things. So kids don't have enough unstructured free time. Yeah. What you want is kids outside feeling like this is their world because once they start playing with it and taking it apart, then it's not just something to be seen because of a. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If Only in Theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Class. I have like three things that I'm working on that I hope will bring kids back outside. And I'll, I, I can just whip you through them because they're yeah. very simple. Well, you know, we're a show about solutions. So fire All right, away. So here's, here's three solutions. First one is so easy. Go to your computer and you go to freerangefriend.com. You just go on. You, you put in your zip code and the age of your kids. And nobody can track you down or find out their names or anything like that. It's, um, but you can find other parents nearby who also want to send their kids outside. Um, another thing I, I do is when I speak at schools, uh, I encourage the school to try the free range kids project, 
which is extremely simple. It's <laughs> the teachers tell the kids to go home and ask their parents if they can do one thing that they feel they're ready to do that for one reason or another they haven't done yet. And often it's something outside. Can I run an errand? Can I walk the dog? Can I get myself to school? Um, can I go down the street and knock on Betsy's door uh, to see if she can come out and play? And because it's endorsed by the school, so it sounds, you know, it doesn't sound crazy. And because it's a one-shot deal, I'm just doing it this once, Mom, the parents generally say yes. And when they do and the kid comes back and they're so happy and they ran around with their friends and they br- they're bringing home the milk or the bread for dinner, the parents are so proud um, that the pride and joy sort of crowds out the fear. Because until now, all you've had is the fear of if I send them outside, what about all the, the predators? And now you have reality instead, which is, oh, I used to do this, and I moved to this neighborhood because I wanted my kids to play outside, and now they're doing it. And, and what's, what's the third thing that you uh, think is a good idea for solutions? The third thing is that um, I'm trying to get neighborhoods and states and eventually the federal government to pass this one-sentence-long law, <laughs> which is this. Our children have the right to some unsupervised time and we have the right to give it to them without getting arrested. And it's, it sounds crazy when people say, like, wait a minute, you're, you're saying we have to have a law that lets me uh, let my kid walk to school? And I'm like, yeah, because if it is a law, then that's one less thing for you to worry about. You think your, your seven-year-old is ready to walk to school? You think your nine-year-old is ready to play in the park by themselves? It's up to you. And nobody can say that you are negligent or even an abusive parent for letting your kid do that because – you, you want them to have that opportunity. And, you know, there's so many things in our culture today that where people take a better safe than sorry approach. As you say, there's a cost to being overprotective. And you mentioned kids getting to college. And because they haven't had any unsupervised time, they're more fearful. And they feel like if they can't talk to their mom on the phone every 10 minutes, which is something that's mm-hmm. come up on the show a lot, they're somehow at risk. Right. I mean, when you have a society that says that anytime, you know, you as the parent let your child go, you're, you know, you're letting them, you're, you're sending them off into the forest with the big bad wolf. You, that's, that's not only the message that you're trying to keep your kids safe. The message that the kid gets is that there are big bad wolves all around. And, and I would never say that there's no such thing as crime. And I believe in better safe than sorry. But, uh, you know, there's a point where you have to say, am I going to wait until there's no crime, zero crime, you know, until somebody comes on the TV and says, today there was absolutely nothing wrong anywhere in America, and then I'll send my kid outside? I mean, my mom was a stay-at-home mom, and she cared very much about safety. She was a worried mom. But somehow, in the morning, she could send me off to walk to school by myself, and somehow the school was willing to have the crossing guard be a kid. Right, Because there was a belief in our communities. There was a belief in children. We weren't constantly underestimating them and overestimating danger. When you meet with parents, what do you say to them? Well, I'm saying this to to myself as much as to anybody else I speak with, which is that I understand the fear. I understand when you turn on the TV and all you see is abductions and television shows based on abductions. It it really does feel like your child is in constant danger. So what I what I say is, first of all, turn off the TV because it is going to drive you crazy. And then I say, think back on your own childhood. Your your parents loved you and they let you go. And it's a new thing not to give children any freedom. And then I, the, the, the tack I'm going to start taking now is the one I got at TED, which is that, wow, uh, when you talk to the world's 
not only most successful people, but happiest people. They get to do what they like. They're interested. They wake up excited because they're working on something that is intriguing to them. You, you have to light the spark of curiosity, and it's not always in after-school curiosity class, <laughs> right? It's kids given boredom and free time that they then end up filling with something that provides them with focus and joy. You know, Lenore, one thing you've, you've often said is you don't blame the parents because this is so much a part of our culture. You had an interesting observation about the Oscars um, that, that you wrote about in a, in a column in the New York Post. Tell us a little bit about your takeaway from watching the Oscar telecast. Well, I realize that I'm probably the only one who watched the Oscar telecast with my particular frame of reference, but I was shocked by how much of it was devoted not to race, which we all were expecting, but to rape. Um, The best picture was Spotlight. That was about child rape. The best actress was in a movie about being abducted and then raising a child in complete captivity. Right. So we're kind of saturated with this in our culture. That's all I'm trying to say. And, and, and in a way, you know, it's hard to even write a column like that because it sounds like, what, you don't want us to think about rape? And it's like, not that I don't want us to think about rape, but not that I'm pro-rape. Who is pro-rape? It is almost the only thing that we can all agree on these days is that rape is bad and children are precious. And so that becomes the one thing that we can all talk about and agree on and make television shows about and make movies about and make political platforms about. And so we start seeing the world through the lens of everything is about children in danger. And so it's the glue that holds us together, but then it's the glue that glues shut the door. You can't let your kid outside if you think that the minute they walk outside, they're, they're in grave danger. And um, if we're talking about the kind of childhoods that we appreciated and that fed our curiosity and our creativity, some of that is outdoors. Not all of that time, but, but free time is unsupervised time. It's not a parent sitting there saying, oh, that was really good or try it this way. Sometimes you got to do some things that are really bad and try it the wrong way because that's what, that's how you get anywhere. That's, that's the creative process. I guess we all learn from, from taking risks. Lenore Skenazy, thanks so much. Uh, we're joined by uh, our producer, Miranda Schaefer. Uh, anything we didn't ask that we should have, Miranda? Yeah, I wanted to ask you, why and when did kids stop having unstructured time? It's been gradual. I'd say it's the last 30 years for the most part. Uh, I blame, in part, the media, because when it discovered that the story of Aton Pates and then Adam Walsh, were, who were both abducted children, was the ratings bonanza that they had dreamed of, they just kept finding more excuses to talk about uh, abducted children to the point where ABC, a couple of years ago, they, they gave Elizabeth Smart, the, the girl who was uh, taken from her home in Salt Lake City, they gave her her own job as the missing persons correspondent. So it started to seem on television as if, as if let's see, there's news, weather, sports, and abducted children. And we became obsessed by it. And then the marketplace comes in so that it can sell us products to keep our kids safe. And then you have a litigious society that makes you start looking at everything in terms of how could this cause harm? What kind of danger is possibly here? And you have an expert society, which is constantly warning parents that they're doing it wrong and that their children are in danger. So when you have this sort of perfect storm of constant warnings, then you you react. The three children you mentioned were all abducted by strangers. Is that something we should worry about? Stranger danger is not something that I think I obsess about. In terms of crime, the the vast majority of crimes against children are caused by 
or at the hands of people that they know very well. So even at the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, they are the people who put the pictures of missing children on the milk cartons under under the banner, Have You Seen Me? Um, even they say that stranger danger is going up the wrong alley. Um, and so I, I don't worry very much about stranger danger, but I too... I ha- my kids are older now, but what I told them when they were younger is you can talk to anybody, but you cannot go off with anybody. And I think that helps a lot more than stranger danger because kids don't even know who's a stranger. And you mentioned that crime has gone down. What crimes are we talking about? We're talking about violent crime, crimes against adults and children. Sometimes people think crime is down because we're helicoptering kids, but crimes against adults are down too. Lenore Skenazy of Free Range Kids. Thanks very much for joining us. Thank you, guys. Should we, should we start? Or do you, yeah, do so you um, so Richard, so great to have Lenore back and a, a different angle on her her free-range free kids. kids campaign. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, so, you know, when I was a kid, I mean, everybody's got these stories, but I was just writing the other day uh, for the book that I'm doing about danger and risk in modern society. We had a giant white pine tree in our front yard, and my parents, from the time I was about 10 or 11, I would climb up to the top of that tree where the, where the trunk got really thin, and it would sway back and forth in the wind, and I loved it up there, especially on really windy days, the sense of excitement. I was 50 feet off the ground. That was a little dangerous. My parents didn't even know I was there, or if they did, they thought it was fine. Um, you know, they're so rare to let kids do that kind of thing today, and I, I think... Did that lead me to be some kind of super creative individual? I don't know, but it certainly led me to feel like, go ahead and try things. I think there are plenty of kids having a lot of free time in some parts of the country. I think that this is more of a middle-class phenomenon than it is a rural phenomenon. I, I know of a particular swimming hole in Maine where the kids just go crazy and are out there for hours at a time. So I'm wondering whether this is something which is more uh, of, of, of a class, of a region of the country. I think it's a class thing. I, I, I agree with you. And I think it, there's an economic factor here. People are having fewer kids. Uh, pe- you know, people yes. in the middle class and, and upper middle class and elite uh, and, and rich people, they're having fewer kids. They're investing more in, in those children. You know, when, yes. when you have four or five kids, you know, some of them are going to turn out great. You know, you kind of let them to their own devices. When you only have one or two, you, 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 you really want them to, you know, to be standouts. I think there's a lot of status tied up in what colleges they go to, what they do when they grow up. So parents are anxious that their kids will will fall behind. I understand that, but but I'm going to push back a little bit against Lenore and maybe even against you. I think that a lot of us parents who did send our kids to ceramics classes or did ask them to do more and put a little pressure on them have ended up with fantastic young adults. Sure. I mean, I and I think that, yes, if you're making an argument for more free unstructured time, I'm with you. But if you're making an argument against testing and you're making an argument against standards and you're making an argument against asking kids to be more and to maybe do better at school than they otherwise would do on their own, I think that's fine. Yeah, I don't I don't have a problem with pushing kids for academic success. And I think a lot of the vilification of the testing is is slightly overdone. Yes. I mean, you really don't know how kids are doing if you don't test them. So, but let's leave school out of it. Let's talk about after school. Let's talk about, you know, that time to roam around, that time to go out in the in the woods. I agree, but I hear from from parents, oh, they get way too much homework. Sometimes homework is fine. No, actually, homework's I, not a bad no, thing. Well, I actually, I think they're right. 
uh, I think the kids do get too much homework. Uh, I saw I saw a summer reading list for a high school one time that included ten huge long books. If there's any way to teach kids that reading is a horrible chore instead of something fun, you, you know, make them. Read. Sometimes things aren't fun. Sometimes, sometimes when you when you're learning, when I learn look look back at some of the stuff I had to do that was repetitive, that was not fun, that was boring. I'm glad I did it. And I went to school when I was in England six days a week. It wasn't such a bad thing. But a summer reading list that includes three Russian novels, I think, is overkill. So, I'm, but I'm going to throw in a different. I'm going to throw in a different red herring. I think all this free time is great, but you know what's really disappeared? Kids don't work anymore. You know, I had a paper route. I worked That's in true. a store. I, um, I mowed lawns. I did all those things. And um, yeah. and I think, and you know, and I made money to buy my model rocket engines and, you know, model planes and stuff like that. I think that uh, the one of the worst things parents can do for their kids is uh, give them enough money they don't need to work. But for parents of children who come out of, out of poor neighborhoods or perhaps themselves they didn't feel like they got enough education, I entirely understand why they're pushing their kids to do more and be more than they were. Sure. So I, I don't think it's a one-size-fits-all answer. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll buy that. This is How Do We Fix It. I'm Richard Davis. And I'm Jim Meggs. Our producer, Miranda Schaefer, and our audio engineer, Denise Barbarita. Here at beautiful Mono Lisa Studios in Uptown Manhattan. Yeah, we got that done pretty well now. Okay, and uh, this, this show is pretty Produced by Davies Content. We make digital audio for companies and nonprofits. And as always, thanks for joining us. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. The secret to visibly firmer, summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number one best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil. Clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dull, dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Rich yet never greasy, Andaria Algae Body Oil is formulated with sustainably sourced seaweed to help replenish the skin's moisture barrier and seven nourishing active botanical oils for results you can see and feel all over. The best part? It's signature scent. A blend of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. This all-natural scent is unforgettable. Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com code GLOW.